0: Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Father, today as we spend this time together as a church family, we know that families have yuck And families have really awesome times together. I thank you that today this is an awesome time that we have together as a church family. And as we leave this place today, I do thank you, God, that we not leave here without receiving something from you that we can apply to our personal life and that we can use to reach out to other people. Father, I thank you that you use me today, that you use The words I speak, that they be your words, and that they be tempered by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to share a story that um, I read about, and it was a story of a family. It was a cold night in February 2007 when the car holding Chris Williams and his family was hit by a 17-year-old drunk driver. Immediately, Chris checked in his children in the back seat and quickly realized that his 11 year old son and his nine year old daughter had died. He looked over at his wife as she gasped her last breath, and she was pregnant with their child. So, when that happened, the first thing that he thought of was God, let me be able to forgive this person that the did this to our family. Imagine that being his first thoughts. It was a 17-year-old drunk driver. You know, we're, we're a family that um, haven't, haven't been a family that's embraced alcohol as part of our lifestyle. Part of it is because things like this, <laughs> we talk with a lot of people, a lot of family issues are rooted in alcohol and alcoholism. And so because of that, as pastors, as leaders, we've just held that standard for our family that we're not going to let that be an obstacle in other people's lives. You know, when I read stories about this or like this, I think how senseless. And yet I think of the forgiving power of Jesus Christ. When, when um, Chris Williams, one of the things that he did is he contacted, he, he built a relationship with this 17-year-old. So he forgave him, they walk through forgiveness, and now what they do is they travel and they speak at high schools, and they share this story of forgiveness and redemption. You know, redemption meaning we get back what the enemies tried to steal from us. And so knowing that, that's ultimate forgiveness. You know, when I read stories like that, I hear stories like that, I think, could I do that? You know, I I feel like I think I could (laughs) because of my walk with Jesus, not because of myself, but knowing that when God does a work in us, we can really let God take over. And so, you know, again, it's knowing we all have situations and things that happen to us in our lives. But do we think when something bad, nasty happens to us, taking that step back and letting our first thought be love, because we know that's what Jesus' first thought would be. In Ephesians 1, 5 through 8, in verse 5, in the New Living Translation, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. You know, think of, like, how nasty we were before we knew Jesus. At least me. (laughs) You know, my lifestyle wasn't one that was anything pleasing to God. Except, you know, I also was raised in a religion where I thought, when I do good things, God loves me. And when I sin or make mistakes, God's going to get me. He's going to come down on me. And bad things are going to happen in my life. That's how I was taught. But knowing that that isn't who God is. That God's a loving God. And you won't know that unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus. When I read that scripture, I thought about Chris Williams and what he did. And how he forgave that young man. You know, he brought that man, that young man into his family. And when you think about what he did with a 17-year-old boy. He gave him wisdom. He taught him understanding. He he adopted him, in a sense, like Jesus did, into his family. I think there's a lot of reasons that we have to not forgive someone, right? I mean, think about it. You've got this nasty co-worker who's always talking trash about you. You've got people that um, tell you they're a friend, and yet they run around and talk to other people and say things that, aren't true or aren't right about you. You have people that don't believe you and you are true and you're right in your heart and you know it and yet they hold things against you. Maybe you have a classmate who's always arrogant and doesn't give you the time of day. Really, that's an insecurity, an insecurity on their part. You know, there's all kinds of reasons to not forgive or we can think there are. But again, when we're in Christ, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's really no reason to not forgive. The list goes on and on. And I I think, you know, there's also like really big things that happen in people's lives, like the Chris Williams guy. (laughs) A lot of people would think he's very justified in holding a grudge. He's very justified in not forgiving. But because of his relationship with Jesus, his first thought was to forgive, was to love. I think about those big offenses, things like unfaithfulness of a spouse in a marriage relationship. Why would you forgive somebody who is unfaithful to you? Because of Jesus. That's why we would forgive. When I think about a person who gave your son or daughter drugs for the first time. I'd have a really hard time with that as a parent, and yet I need to forgive. That's what God's called me to do. When I think about the people who spread lies about us, what about people who steal from you? What about those kinds of things? You know, there's a story some of you have heard, and, and we have a lot of um, new, newer people here at Refuge, so I'm going to share a story about um, a moped that I had. And this moped I actually bought from from Matt's mom. It was a yellow moped. And so zooming around town, that's the closest I got to a Harley. So for the, for the Harley club at church, there was Pastor Deb, you know. <laughs> but I liked that moped. But I didn't always use it. And so um, one day there was a knock at my door, and a friend of mine was a Uh, police officer in town and he knocks on my door and he's like hey Deb how you doing great great he was also my coach a softball team that I was on and he said um so you have a moped I understand and I'm like yeah (laughs) I'm thinking that thing has been by the garage like I haven't used it in weeks and and he said um so what color is the moped and I said it's a gold yellow moped and um, he said, so you haven't used it lately? And I said, no. Nope. He said, well, we have it down at the station. I said, you do? <laughs> and um, so somebody stole my moped, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> and he's, like, talking to me about pressing charges and things like that. And I said, well, um, you know, I talked to, to Pastor Matt. At that time, we weren't married, so he was Pastor Matt. And I asked him, um, you know, we talked about it, and I said, you know, I'd really like to meet with the guy, but I don't want to meet with him alone. So would you meet with him with me? And so, so we invited the young man to meet with us. And so he came here, and we met, and he talked about, you know, how he's just been with the wrong crowd, he's been making the wrong choices, you know, all those kinds of things, and... So we talked to him about Jesus. <laughs> we talked to him about what a life with Jesus could be. And my lifestyle before I knew the Lord, you know, I, I was a partier. If there was a party to be had, I was gonna have it if nobody else was. <laughs> you know, I just um, enjoyed friends. I enjoyed being, enjoyed being around people. And so this guy's lifestyle was kind of the same. But we talked about the Lord. He actually, we prayed with him to receive Jesus that day. So he got born again. Yay, God. (laughs) And then he joined the military. And his life was radically changed. He actually contacted me um, probably about four or five years after that incident. And he actually came to church. (laughs) And he said, you know, I I just want to thank you because you gave me a second chance. And I thought, you know what, (laughs) I'm not who gave him the second chance. Jesus gave him a second chance, but it was forgiveness that brought him to that place. For me forgiving him and Jesus forgiving him. And, um, you know, I often think I should contact him again because he contacted me again years later and then he was married and had a wife and kids and all that stuff. And so... You know, I I just am excited that God used that opportunity. You know, when you think of the very worst thing that's been done to you, you know, I think of, um, you know, it seems like recently there's been so much in the media and so much or a lot of different organizations that are, are helping to, you know, help women escape girls, young girls escape from sex trafficking. You know, now that has a title Years ago, it didn't. Those things just happen. Think about the amount of forgiveness that those young girls have to walk through. Like, I can't imagine that pain. I can't imagine the suffering. But I can imagine what Jesus can do in their lives. And what we can do. You know, we can help with organizations, those kinds of organizations. We can be there for people. We can help to bring healing in people's lives. When people are in pain, like, are we oblivious to it? Or are we asking God to help us to be sensitive to the things that people are going through? How do we forgive when we've been taken advantage of, when we've been hurt, and when we've been wounded? Like, how do we forgive? Like, when those deep wounds over and over and over again, how do you forgive? It's really got to be every single time. Every single time knowing that we, again, step out of who we are and walk into who we are with Jesus. I think about wounds, and wounds are an injury to a person's feelings. You know, when um, you have physical injury, when physical things happen, you know, maybe there's a bruise, and there's a bruise that's left. And you know, if, let's say, I had a big old bruise on my arm, It could be there and other people could see it but I wouldn't necessarily know unless I touched it. And how many people walk around touching wounds or bruises so that it keeps hurting, like you don't do that. And yet we do that when it comes to having emotional wounds and people wounding us. We keep letting them touch that thing instead of saying, nope, I forgave. I forgave. I'm walking past this. I'm not allowing this to be part of my life and to continue as part of my life. When um, emotional wounds are really there because we don't forgive, we don't totally, fully forgive. But a wound can have a long term impact. You know, I think of people in accidents, people that have injuries, um, you know, like like freak accidents where they're injured for like the rest of their life. That's something that we can see with our physical eyes. If somebody's in a wheelchair, we can see that. But if somebody's been sexually abused from the time they've been a young child, we can't see that on the outside. But there's major pain that's going on on the inside. And how sensitive are we to people You know, if you're one of those people, if you've had things happen to you over and over and over again, I really want to encourage you to talk to somebody, because when we keep nursing those wounds and nursing those hurts, it doesn't do a whole lot for us, because we then just think about ourselves in the situation, we don't think about how we can be free of that. Scars are something that are visible, but you know, when you have a scar, like I Say, actually, I'm going to tell a story. And this is a story. When I was um, six years old, I was with my mom um, mom and dad. We were going by my grandma's house. Mom and dad were going to a wedding. And so my grandparents were babysitting for me and my aunt and uncle. But my aunt is, I have an aunt who's only a year and a half older than me, an uncle who's three years older than me. And, and my parent, grandparents owned a farm. And so my parents always said every time we went to visit, do not go buy the farm equipment. Do not go buy the farm equipment. Like, like all the time. So I knew you never go buy the farm equipment. But guess what I did? Went by the farm equipment. <laughs> and my uncle and aunts, and so remember, I was six, so my uncle was nine years old. And he was driving the tractor with a manure spreader on the back, but it was filled, wasn't filled with manure, <laughs> but it was, which is cow poop, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the real deal. Anyway, <laughs> it was filled with brush, and so we had to take the brush, um, haul it, load it in the manure spreader, and then take it to the pasture and, and you know unload it there. So I thought, well, I, I'm helping, right? I'm by the farm equipment, but I'm helping them. And so I got, we got off and started unloading it. But with the, on the side of a manure spreader is something called a power takeoff. And it goes really, really fast around. It's like a bar on the side of it. And um, I was wearing a dress. It was one of my favorite dresses. <laughs> it was navy blue and green plaid with some smocking there, like it was really cute for a six-year-old, you know? (laughs) But I got too close to that power takeoff bar, and so it sucked me in. And so my dress got caught in the power takeoff bar, and so I have scars all over my stomach. I have scars here. It ripped the dress off me and just left the collar on the neck of that dress. But it's a miracle that I'm alive, because people die when those things happen. And what's interesting, my six-year-old innocence—you know, those were days that um, my aunt had like a um, scarf on, you know, one of those big scarves that you wore and you tied it underneath your chin. Like I don't, know. like we're going way back, guys. This is the '60s, okay? <laughs> Which is probably really cool and in right now. So. <laughs> Oh, Mackenzie said, no, it's not. So it must be, (laughs) maybe the 80s are in. Is it 70s? Oh, we're getting closer. So we'll go back to the 60s in 10 years or whatever. Anyway, um, so she took that off and she wrapped it around me because all I could think is nobody can see me naked. Even though I'm dripping with blood everywhere, you know, like that's crazy. And it's also crazy the things I remember. (laughs) But I don't remember the pain. The pain isn't there. But the scars are there. It's not the same way when we're emotionally wounded. The pain is way deeper. And the pain hurts a lot. But we can't see it on the outside. So as a church body, let's be people that forgive each other. Let's be people that don't cause wounds in one another. Let's talk about things. Don't get petty over stupid little things like The Grunwalds, why are you sitting there? You always sit over here, and what are you doing over there? (laughs) Like, that's not true. They don't care where they sit. They just love to sit here, right? (laughs) It's just um, knowing that there's little things that we make big deals, and they really don't have to be a big deal. When we don't forgive emotional wounds, what happens to people? They physically deal with things. They have anxiety. They deal with low self-esteem. They have mood swings. They're depressed. They get bitter. Like, you know, even reading through that list, you be like, whoa, whoa, you know? Like, we don't want that part of our lives, right? Except it's very real for a lot of people. We can choose to intentionally tap into the forgiving power of Jesus Christ, but just like love is a choice, Forgiveness is a choice. So it's knowing that we can forgive, but trusting takes time. You know, it's not forgive and forget, because as much sometimes as we like to forget things, they, they'll come back, they'll pop up, but we can learn to trust again. Something that we did with our children, and, and not all of you in the room have children, but someday you might, and... Um, And if you do, this is something that we always did with our kids. When they would be mean to each other, they'd hit each other, they'd do call names, you know, whatever kids do, because even though they're pastor's kids, and pastor kids are really perfect, right, everybody? Of course. (laughs) Some people think they should be, but they're not. Perfect to me, but, you know. (laughs) Um, But something that we always did is we had them pray with each other. We would say, okay, you're going to pray. And so they pray, and they might not have liked doing that, but we always had them express forgiveness to each other. And so, say Michaela and Mackenzie got into it. And now this is when they were little. When they're older, that's up to them, right? (laughs) Is we would just say, okay, need to pray with each other. And then they would tell each other what they did to hurt the other person. And then they forgive each other, express forgiveness. I'm sorry, I forgive you. And then they hug each other, and then they went on their merry way. <laughs> and so, you know, it's teaching and keeping that in front of them, so they're not holding bitterness and things like that. Years ago, we had a situation here at church, and and there was a family that um, just got upset with us, and and they had written a letter. And on a Sunday morning, they stood by the door as people came in and they gave the letter to all these people telling why they were leaving the church and and what bad pastors we were and all that kind of stuff, you know, and and you know, how just mentioned different people in the church and and um I mean there were it was kind of awesome because there were people at that time that that and we didn't know that was going on. I mean, we're in here worshiping the Lord, <laughs> you know. And so um, then somebody came and got me and said, you might want to know that this is being given out at the front door. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Well, tell them to stop. We don't have to give that out anymore today. (laughs) So they did. They didn't continue that. But we actually had people that came to us and handed us the letter and said, we don't even want to read this. I thought, that's awesome. (laughs) Well, for some people, you opened it and didn't know what you were reading. until, Oh, my gosh, you know. But then um, our son Daniel was talked about in that letter. And it was something that was absolutely untrue. And it was a documented situation. So we knew it was untrue. And so we talked to Daniel (laughs) about the letter. And we said, you know, Daniel, um, this went some people at church saw this. And so we just want you to know this part of what was in that letter. And so we said, and so we just said, we're not sure what we're going to do. About it yet. We don't haven't met with them, haven't talked to them. And he waited a while and he said, I don't think you should do anything. He said, You should just let God handle it. And so guess what we did? We didn't do anything. (laughs) We let God handle it. And Daniel was about 10 years old at that time. So children are wise. Children have wisdom. So listen, be keen to things that they're saying. You know, and, and it was a situation It's over and done with. You know, we forgave, we moved on. And I only used it, not because it's a deep wound of mine, because it's not, but it's an example of forgiveness. Henry Ward Beecher said, I can forgive, but I cannot forget. It's only another way of saying I will not forgive. Forgiveness ought to be like a canceled note, torn in two and burned up, so that it can never be shown again against another person. So imagine doing that. Next time something comes up, taking a piece of paper, write whatever that offense is, rip it up, burn it up, throw it away, do whatever you need to do with it, so it never comes up again. And then remember that you did it. Maybe it's you that you have to forgive. Maybe there's something that you did that you just can't get past you just can't walk through. Maybe you harmed somebody. Maybe you know you did something wrong. Guess what? Talk to the person. If you feel like you have that kind of relationship that you can, talk to them. I know for some people, writing things down, journaling things help to release those kinds of wounds and hurts. But those are all things that you can do. There's A story I was actually listening to a TED talk about forgiveness and in the TED talk um, one of the ladies was a mom of one of the, the young men that shot you know I don't remember how many people at Columbine and she said I have lived with that anguish over and over and over again but if I couldn't forgive I would never be free now she, again, goes around and talks to people, but she said, all these people who said to me, you should have known. How did you not know? How did you not know your son was this? How did you not know your son was that? She said, I really, I did not know. <laughs> and so the shame that she dealt with for, with all that, all the lives that were changed, all the, all the families that were broken because of that, imagine what she went through, and she really was innocent in all of that. And yet again, constantly having to forgive. Another thing on that same TED talk was a girl talking about um, when she was in college, and they were at a at a party, and she got really drunk. Her boyfriend got really drunk, and he took advantage of her. And she had so much shame from that situation. And she said, um, you know, she dealt with it for years and years. And, and then she thought, what he did to me was wrong. I didn't give him permission. I was totally wasted and drunk. And it wasn't right. So she wrote him a letter. And this was um, the situation happened in Europe. She wrote him a letter. And he lived in Australia. And he received that letter. And it shook him to the core. Because he cared about her, he didn't realize how he had hurt her, because he was drunk too. And so what's so bizarre is after that happened, he got the letter, he contacted her, and he said, I want you to go to the authorities. I should pay for what I did to you. And she was like, that's not what I want. I want you to know how your actions affected me. And they actually, like, this is the most bizarre story. They actually met, and for like a week, um, you know, they met, and they, they discussed this whole situation and what happened and how many times that happens on college campuses, how many times that happens in, in different situations where people are just partying and, and things. one thing leads to another, and people don't know what they're doing when it comes to their actions. But there's always consequences to our actions. So again, with these two people, (laughs) they now go around and they talk to people about making wise choices, about what their unwise choices led to. So I think, you know, these are just like two random stories (laughs) that, that are real life stories But I could probably go around and each one of you could tell me about something that happened in your life, and you had to forgive. And if you didn't choose to forgive, where you would be today? And if you didn't choose to ask Jesus to forgive you, where would you be today? It takes a humility to surrender our life to Jesus Christ. You know what's really awesome about God is his forgiving power in our lives. If we look at Psalms 103, 11, and this is, again, in the New Living Translation, it says he forgives us as far as the east is from the west. In verse 11, it says, for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Like, I don't have any clue how high that is, but I'm thinking it's pretty high, (laughs) He has removed our sins as far as from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear. And that's reverence and respect him. It's not fear, be afraid of him. It's reverencing and respecting him. So I think it's really awesome how this scripture, it talks about how he's removed our sin And then it talks about him being our dad. Isn't that kind of awesome? (laughs) Because when we feel like we've really messed up and all that, he's like that loving father, though, who's like, it's okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together. You might have messed up, but God forgives. He's a loving father. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we walk away with um, God and a false understanding of grace. Because there are consequences to sin. When that, when that um, couple were partying like they were, they were drinking like they were, it got out of hand, they had sex, there were consequences to what that did to that couple. So it's always knowing there's consequences to sin. You know, somebody who you know, did something to someone and, and have to serve time in jail... They are forgiven by God, from God, but they still have to suffer the consequences. Knowing that we truly, when we truly repent, he forgives. And I like how um, repenting, when we repent, it means that we do a 180. You know, it doesn't mean we do a 360, because a 360 is like we're back at the same place we started. 180 is like this. It's my good side here, everybody. But (laughs) that's the 180. It's turning around, never returning to where we were before. There's somebody named Hannah Moore, and she said, Forgiveness is the economy of the heart. Forgiveness saves the expense of anger, the cost of hatred, and the waste of the human spirit. I'm going to read that again. Forgiveness is the economy of the heart. Forgiveness saves the expense of anger, the cost of hatred, and the waste of the human spirit. So, when I was conceived, my parents weren't married. So, I was born two months after my parents got married. And that day, remember, we're talking 60s, everybody. that wasn't cool that wasn't acceptable my mom was actually shunned from my family i remember going to church and in church we would always sit in like the back two or three rows of this big church i attended and the reason we did that because there were a bunch of kids and so we if we were quiet or we if we weren't quiet we were taken outside <laughs> um but so everybody with little kids sat in the back three or four rows and I can remember every Sunday these people that walked past us when they went to sit in the first one or two rows, and when they left, they walked past us when they went out. And then I, I remember seeing them at family gatherings and thinking, like, those, we know those people, don't we? Like, why don't we ever say hi to them? Or why don't they ever say hi to us? Well, those parents were my great-grandparents, and because my mom and dad, I was conceived out of wedlock, they were absolutely ashamed of who I was. And I'm like, what? Like, they, they never even talked to me. I never had a conversation with them. And I think how interesting <laughs> that, for me, that happened in church. You know, that's, that's really interesting. So go on through the years, and now my great-grandma is in her 90s. And she's in a wheelchair. And this was years ago, but she was in her 90s. And um, she needed people to take care of her. And at that time, uh, the job that I worked at, the department went away. And so I was collecting unemployment and waiting for the next job. And guess who was available to take care of her great-grandmother who disowned her? Me. And, you know, it really was like some of the most awesome times in my life where a woman who wanted nothing to do with me for nothing that I did. And that woman and I had the best friendship, the best relationship. You know, she would tell me jokes. We would read the Bible together. Like, imagine all that stuff. And that's called redemption. <laughs> that's getting back what the enemy tried to steal. You know <laughs> You know, when I, I think about that time and I'm something like really neat, like I have my great grandmother's engagement ring. Like she gave me that. You know, she's I don't even know how many grandchildren and <laughs> great grandchildren she has. But, you know, when I, again, when I think of what Jesus did in that situation, and because, like, in my head, like, I know she did that stuff to me, but it doesn't hurt me. Like, I don't feel any pain by it. You know, even me getting emotional is because of what Jesus did. It's not because I feel pain. And I also chose that I will not be a victim of circumstances. You know, when I hear these stories about my dad did this to me, my mom did this to me, da-da-da-da-da, I mean, all kinds of people do stuff to us, right? But I will not be a victim of those situations. I will not allow it to define me. And neither should you. (laughs) You know, and um, for those of you who don't know my personality, I'm, I'm pretty black and white. So there's not a whole lot of gray with what goes on with me. And probably because when I read the Word, I don't see a lot of gray. <laughs> I see a lot of black and white, and yet I see a lot of love and grace and mercy. And that stuff is black and white too. <laughs> you know, it's knowing that Our God forgives all of our sins. So no matter what you've done to anybody, no matter what you've done to yourself, no matter what you've done when it comes to relationships or hurts or been hurt or hurting people, God's a forgiving God. Psalms 103, 2 and 3 in the New Living Translation says, let all that I am praise the Lord May I never forget the good things that he does for me. He forgives all of my sins. It doesn't say, but he doesn't forgive that one. But what about that one? Nope. It says he forgives. That's black and white. He forgives all of our sins, my sins, and heals all my diseases. Dwight L. Moody said, the voice of sin is loud. The voice of sin is really loud, but the voice of forgiveness is louder. When we can forgive people, that's way louder than what people have done to wrong us. You know, when, um, when we talk again about what Jesus did for us and how he forgives us and all the things he does for us, there's a scripture in Romans 5, 7, and I'm going to read this, but I'm going to share about there's a situation, and it, it was a husband and wife that were going through a really, really hard, hard um, time in their marriage, and it was super hard for the woman to forgive the man, and as they were walking through this, you know, he had come to a place with the Lord where he was forgiven and he knew he was forgiven. He surrendered his life wholeheartedly to Jesus. And in the middle of that, she just was like, I can't, I can't forgive him. I feel like I have to move on. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. She didn't file for divorce, anything like that. But this is how awesome God is. <laughs> when we're open to God, when we're open to the spirit of God, he's going to speak to us. And sometimes you say, well, God talked to me, and God said this, and God said that. And I can remember when I was starting out in my walk with the Lord, I'm like, so God talks? Like, how does he talk? Like, I've never heard God talk, and God talks to people that are like in loony bins, not like normal people, you know? That's how I thought. (laughs) Just being honest. (laughs) But you know how God talks? He talks through his word. You open up that Bible, unless you open the Bible, you're not going to hear from God. You're not going to hear what he's saying. He talks through other people. And he talks through things like if you have a phone and you see like these posts on Facebook and things like that, he can talk through that stuff too. Something really interesting with this couple, that's exactly what God did when he restored their marriage. She was going through her phone and and skimming through things in her phone and This scripture came up, Romans 5, 7, in the Amplified. It says, Now it is an extraordinary thing for one to willingly give his life, even for an upright man, though perhaps a good man, one who has noble and selfless and worthy. Someone might even dare to die. But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore since we have now been justified declared free of the guilt of sin by his blood, how much more certain is it that we will be saved from the wrath of God through him. So when she read that scripture and she thought I know what I walked through in my life and God forgave me who am I to hold this against him? And their marriage was restored through that. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> because she was open to hearing and receiving and listening to what the Spirit of God was saying. Charles Stanley said When we stray from his presence, he longs for you to come back. He weeps that you're missing out on his love, his protection provision he throws his arms open runs towards you gathers you up and welcomes you home isn't he awesome (laughs) you know what mercy is something God's given all of us mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm God's shown us so much mercy. There's a song that that we would do for special music years ago, so it's an older song, but the song C.C. Winans, for those of you who know that name, it says, mercy says no. And the words of this song is, I was just a child when I felt the Savior leading. I was drawn to what I could not understand. And for the cause of Christ, I spent my days believing that what he'd have me be is who I am. Don't we believe that? Who we are is who God intended us to be? But are we tapping into what God intended us to be? As I've come to see the weaker side of me, I realize his grace is what I'll need. When sin demanded justice for my soul, like sin didn't have mercy. Sin was like, you will be punished. The devil wants us punished. The devil wants us messed up, but not God, not his mercy. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to save us. From the cross, he built a stage to to set us free. He built a bridge to set us free. Oh, but deep within our hearts, there's still a war that rages and makes a sacrifice so hard to see so when you've got that war going on inside that's a lie that's a lie from the enemy because Jesus Christ has forgiven you and now when heaven looks at me it's through the blood of Jesus reminded me reminding me of one day long ago that mercy said no mercy said no I'm not gonna let you go I'm not gonna let you slip away you don't have to be afraid because mercy said no. Sin will never take control. Life and death stood face to face. Think of that. Life and death stood face to face. When we didn't know Jesus, the enemy, there was a war going on in the heavenlies. But we know who won. Darkness tried to steal my heart away. But thank you, Jesus. Mercy said no. You know, all the control in our life given to Jesus Christ is going to set us free. Thank you so much for listening to the Refuge podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.